0: Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. My name is Megan.
1: I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Hey, sisters. Hi. Hi. How are y'all? Good. Doing really good. good. Just got back home after midnight last night. Oh my gosh, And Are you so tired? You know, not as tired as I thought I'd be, but oh, I do have some anxiety and stress going on just oh, yeah. anticipating the next weeks ahead. Oh no. <laughs> well,
0: we will get through it all together. Um, I'm excited about today's episode. We have had this topic on our list for a long time. For those of you that don't know, our nephew Kai and Lauren's son was a preemie born at 27 weeks, and so we've always wanted to do an episode about preemies, so that's what we're going to do today, and we can't wait because Lauren actually wrote a letter about her experience and gives four amazing tips, so even if you have never experienced the world of preemies, this episode is honestly for anybody and everybody because of Lauren's awesome life tips, really, to kind of get through a hard time, which I know we're all going through different hard times right now. Or like Lauren said last week, we are not all in the same boat, but we're in the same storm. So I definitely think her tips will be super helpful. And yeah, if Lauren, you want to take it away.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Megan. So like Megan said, nine years ago, we were pregnant with our firstborn and out of Nowhere, we had a, quite the surprise, and so I am going. To, I had the privilege once Kai did get to a point of stable, and our lives kind of settled down a little bit after those first couple of years. I had the privilege to go back to the hospital where he was born, and just volunteer and work side by side with the families that were in antepartum and the families in NICU, and I had no idea how much. That was going to actually give back to me. But what I found is it just prompted me to write this letter to anybody going through this. And like Megan said, once I kind of went back and pulled this letter up, I hadn't looked at it in quite some time. These tips are actually relevant to really any hard time in your life. And I think that we can all, it's a good reminder of what we can all implement today. I guess I'll just start by. Reading this letter, and then in this letter, it kind of briefly expa- explains our personal journey, and then yes. Megan and Kristen, y'all can just chime in and kind of ask any questions that might be helpful to the listener. So, anyway, this is a letter to all the sweet souls out there that are walking through the crazy life journey of anti-partum hospital bed rest and or NICU. Dear friends, you are not alone. At some point, if not already, you will probably feel isolated and alone. Those feelings are very normal, but you are not alone. At some point in your journey, you will begin to grieve. I am no counselor, but I do know that grieving this experience is very normal and there is no one size fits all. You may be grieving now or it may come two years from now. You might be grieving your third trimester of pregnancy or the lack thereof. You might be grieving the assumption that you had of bringing home your eight pound full of fat rolls, newborn baby, the same day that you got discharged from the hospital. Or maybe you are grieving the fact that you will carry your child in your heart instead of your arms until the day you see each other again. Each journey is unique and so very special. Give yourself permission to grieve. Be kind to yourself and give yourself lots of grace and then some more. I know you can't see it now, but trust me when I say that you will come out of this journey stronger than you knew you were capable of. And one day you will look back in all of that strength. You might even think, did we really go through that and we survived? Friend, you're damn right you did and you did a damn good job. So when you get to that point, give yourself a huge high five, hug, or do a high kick Whatever you do, be proud. Even if things didn't go your way, be proud of yourself. Keep taking one step in front of the other. You are strong. I really could write a book about this unique life experience, but today I'm going to narrow it down to my four points of survival. But before I do that, strap on that hands-free pumping bra, moms, or grab a cup of coffee and enjoy a quick rundown of our story. My water broke at 24 weeks pregnant for unknown causes. My OBGYN was just as shocked as we were because up until that scary evening on June 2nd, 2011, had you looked in my charts, you would have seen the words textbook pregnancy. God willing, we beat the 90% chance that our son would be born within 72 hours of my premature rupture. We made it nearly one month on hospital bed rest before they had to deliver our son at 27.3 weeks pregnant. Our sweet boy, Kai, weighed one pound, 13 ounces. We spent 94 days in the NICU and came home five days after his due date, weighing seven pounds, seven ounces. He looked like a tick ready to pop. Forget about all those rules of thumbs about doubling or tripling birth weights by six or 12 months old. We nearly septupled, I had to look that one up, our birth weight in those three months. God bless the NICU staff and team. Our journey did not end on that joyful September 26, 2011 day. It was truly the beginning of a new journey, which is another topic for another day. So here are my four points of survival tips while in the antepartum and or NICU. And in my my experience, when I intentionally shifted my focus to these four things, the days became much more bearable. So number one, give thanks. I understand the desire to not want to give thanks. I really do. However, when I gave thanks, my days were much brighter. And when I needed time to fly by, it did. I was thankful that while on bed rest, even though I was not able to fully sit up or get up, I was thankful that I was not upside down 24-7 like the patient next door to me. I was thankful to live five minutes from the hospital and not one hour away like some families that I met. I was thankful to live in a time and a place when my child born at one pound, 13 ounces had a chance at survival. Try to give thanks for at least one thing a day. It really helps. Number two, find at least one positive in each situation. Many days I had to dig really deep to find a positive, but when I did, I was much happier. For example, I did not like at all that my itty bitty baby had to have a blood transfusion, but... He only had one blood transfusion, not 10. That's a positive. Or how about the day we got news that our baby was born with a tethered spinal cord, but we found out early enough prior to any symptoms appearing. Now that's a positive. Dig deep, my friends. Dig deep. It matters. Number three, turn why questions into what questions. For example, instead of asking, why has this happened? Ask, what do I do with this? Turn off that voice in your head that questions why and or what ifs. Just turn your head, or just turn that off. Throughout this journey, your focus and energy needs you elsewhere, and that is not where. I remember any time that voice started leering towards me, I would say, "Mama ain't got time for that," and I had a major job to do, and I needed to throw all of my focus and energy into keeping my baby inside of me for as long as possible. And then being the best version of me in order to give my baby the best care while he was in the NICU. Also, if others start asking you the why or what if questions, don't get sucked into that either. Since we did not know the cause of my premature rupture, many friends and family had many questions, understandably so. Some even came at us with theories. But here's the deal. It happened and there was no turning back. So let's forget about all those questions and focus on the what. In some situations, we may never know the why, but we can always choose to trust the reason. And this can be hard, I know, but it is possible and it brings peace. Number four, remember this truth. However deeply painful the experience is, the same deepness of blessings appears. You may be at a point where you are not able to even hear these words right now, and that's okay but you can read them every day and choose to believe that they are true. Many years later, I am still discovering blessings that came from our experience and you will too. Friends don't give up. You matter. Your precious babies matter. And if I could give each and every one of you a huge hug, I would. You are so loved from a micro pre- preemie mommy who cares. mom I <laughs> love it. Yeah.
2: I was just curious. So, hearing all that was beautiful. And I feel like so helpful for someone because I feel like it's, you know, not rare, but like, you don't think about all the things you like, I think when you get pregnant, you don't think like, oh, you know, my baby's going to be a preemie. So it's totally yes. unexpected. so I feel like that's just so helpful for, you know, moms soon to be moms that might go through something like this.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's not like you said, it's not something that you expect or think about. And I know yeah. at, at the time I hadn't known anybody in my life or even, you know, close or far circle that had gone through such a thing. And honestly, when my water broke that night, I it did not even I was so, I guess naive in pregnancy that It didn't even cross my mind that it could be my water breaking. So I just thought I was like urinating on myself, which I thought was odd as well because I'm like, wait, I'm barely, you know, I'm just over halfway through this pregnancy. I thought that didn't start until way later, you know?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: So, yeah, I mean, I was totally naive and, you know, just imagine, I think one of the hardest, well, two big days stick out. So when, We went into the emergency room. I was totally just – I thought I was going to be sent home that night and then just be like, oh, you're just urinating on yourself. But things got chaotic pretty quick. And one day stuck out when the neonatologist came in, and he's just doing his job, but, you know, he's giving you the statistics and saying that your baby has a 10% chance of survival and you need to go ahead and name him. He wasn't even named at that point um, to basically fill out his – death certificate. You know, it's just like, and right then it was like my mind shifted. And I even looked at the doctor and I was like, I know you're doing your job, but you don't know who I am. And I am fight like this baby is, you know, not going to be delivered in the next three days and we are going to get through this. So that was a big turning point. And then also,
0: didn't you say in that moment that you felt Kai's heartbeat going up or not felt yeah. there was, he was on a monitor or something.
1: Yeah. So I think it was just, you know, they always say like children, even outside the womb, like they can just feel our emotions. And yes. So I was hooked up to all types of machines at that point, And Kai was too, um, his heartbeat and everything. And so, During that moment, I looked over at my husband, Chris, um, when the doctor was going over all the statistics with us, and I just saw tears falling down Chris's face. And at that point in our marriage, I really hadn't seen him cry very much. And so that just kind of broke me seeing him breaking. And so I started just kind of shaking uncontrollably and then crying. And right in that moment, Kai's um, heart rate was just through the roof. And so that was like motivation for me in that moment to be like, wow, I have to stay strong for Kai, you know, cause he is truly feeling every emotion that my heart's feeling. So that was huge motivation for me to stay strong, stay positive and just yeah. fo- focus on, you know, each day and what had to be done. So, um, yes, that was a huge day. And then I guess just to try to, for those who haven't experienced this or don't know somebody who has experienced this, it's, um, it's just one of those life experiences that you can't truly, unfortunately understand unless you've walked it. And, um, but I think a lot of, especially moms out there can probably relate to the day that you're discharged and how exciting that is to, and probably scary too, if you're a first time mom, especially, but, To bring home that baby of yours. And I think that was one of the hardest days in my journey was when I got discharged from the hospital a few days after delivery and having to leave Kai up there, you know, that just felt so unnatural and so unmotherly. It was, it's hard to describe on top of all the hormones and medication. Well, no, I
0: mean, as a mom who got to leave the hospital with her baby, Mm -hmm. you know, I understood it on another level. Right. At that moment, I cannot imagine having to leave, and it just makes me want to cry because it's just not cool. <laughs> like yeah. it's not
2: that cool was actually that... gonna be one of my questions because I had a girlfriend who her water did not break as soon as yours. I think she was, you know, like thirty weeks or something. I can't mm. remember exactly. but um she said that she was like, "You know, I said, how are you feeling?" You know, and she's like, you know, it's weird. I, I honestly don't feel like a mom." Mm-hmm. and then she's like I'm feeling really guilty about it and I was like whoa I wasn't expecting her to be so honest with me and I was glad she was but it was like oh yeah, wow, yeah I have no idea what that feels like you know and I was just like all I could say to her was like you know there is going to be a it, it will happen like you will yeah. or, but you know I, that's something I wanted to ask you like you know I feel like that would be common did that happen to you like how did you yeah, deal with that? Sure. About-
1: I mean, especially that day when you're having to say goodbye. And of course, you know, I pretty much lived up there during the days, but at the NICU that we were at, there was no option for overnight stay. Um, So, and the nurses really encourage you, like you have to take care of yourself. You know, you have to go home, you have to get some sleep, you have to eat, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that there was definitely just naturally having to put your baby in the hands of God and the doctors and the nurses, you're really, you, your control is zero, you know, and I didn't even get to hold Kai for, um, eight days, seven or eight days. And so yeah. that bond, that natural bonding experience is just interrupted. So, you know, for me, I chose to pump and that was really my way of holding on. I was just like praying every day, like, please God, let me keep up enough milk to keep up with him. Cause at that time, I just remember feeling oddly enough, as much as I hated that pump by the end of it, that was my connection to Kai. Cause I felt like that was the only thing that I could pro- provide to him during that time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely just felt, um, this not, I wouldn't say, a di- I think feeling disconnected a little bit is totally normal. And, um, it's just that natural, I don't know. Yeah. I guess to answer your question. Yes. I think that's totally normal to feel that way because it's just not the natural way of how things usually work, you know? Right. Yeah. And I remember
0: you saying that you almost had like the sense of feeling that like Kai wasn't yours.
1: I did. Didn't and you say that? I did. And I never knew if that, um, and I always am cautious about, you know, he's older now. And so that, of how I use the words around it, but yeah, what it felt like. And I think a lot of that is because I, you know, I do believe in God and you know, that is my faith. So I was at the time I, it was confusing to me. It was like, is this because I know he's actually God's child, but I think a lot of it looking back was in just reflecting on all of that. I think it was that disconnect maybe of where, I had no other choice but to leave him in the hands and just pray that I didn't get a call, you know? And, yeah, um, well, I think
0: that's really natural though to feel that way. Even I, I think a lot of moms, you know, there's so much postpartum depression that happens and these feelings that I think they see. It's kind of like in a movie where you see love happening in a movie and then it doesn't work like that for you. So you think it's not real. I think that happens with motherhood too is, you see it from the outside and you think it's just this glorious like mother earth thing Mm -hmm. that happens. And that's just really, that's not life. And so I think those feelings are natural. Like right after you have a baby, I mean, it takes time to bond and get to know the baby, even for the mom. Like you feel connected Mm -hmm. more than the dad at first, I'm sure. But I mean, even I had feelings of like, what, what, what's happening? Like my, cause Joe was um, colic so she would just scream and cry all the time and it's just like this isn't right you know like I don't feel those sweet amazing feelings right now but then you eventually you do but yeah so I think it's good to talk about because I think a lot of moms feel guilt about it
1: Yeah. yeah yeah I think it's everybody's like story and experience is just so different but yeah I think normalizing the conversation that whether a preemie or not, you know, even if you do yeah. bring your baby home, like you said, that there are situations where it's okay if you don't feel that bonding till later on and just acknowledging that everybody, yeah, to just let go of that guilt and expectation, I guess, and just honor whatever you're feeling. And yeah. yeah know that it's going to get better.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Choose what you're focusing on. Like if you reflect, like, what am I thinking about? What am I focusing on? And becoming aware can help you pivot that focus. Yeah. So like if you're just focused on, oh my God, I'm not connected with my baby. It's like, that's, you're more not going to feel connected with your baby, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a simple concept, but it's a good reminder.
0: Yeah, but obviously a lot harder if your baby's in the NICU. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I was, I don't know what you call it, lucky. I hadn't had kids yet, but I lived right by near the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like even I bonded with Kai at an early age of just – I could tell once I put him skin to skin, like that changed. Mm -hmm. A bond formed from that. So I Mm -hmm. can't imagine as a mom not being able to hold him for eight days. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I wanted to ask you was – like thinking back, like if you knew a mom right now that was like in the thick of being at the NICU, like what would you, I mean, beyond sending her that letter, like what would you say
1: to her? I think I would just say you have to take care of yourself, you know, and yeah, the bait, you know, I I do remember at the time it's like, I heard the nurses saying, they're like, your baby. And especially, let me just add this dynamic. So I didn't have any children at home, but a lot of the moms that I met, they did, they had toddlers, kids at home, that they still had to be a mom to. you know? And I know that that struggle is also really hard to decide where do you spend your time? You feel guilty that you're not at the hospital, but then when you're at the hospital, you feel guilty that you're not at home. And so I think that I would just ingrain in them that, just, you have to lose the guilt for whatever guilt you're feeling. If you're not feeling like you're bonding, throw it out the door, you know, throw that guilt out the door. If you, you know, just stop beating yourself up for whatever you are, cause that's just natural. It's what we do when we feel like we're not doing enough. We feel like we can't even do enough. You know, it was hard to just have that t- immediate control taken away to where, if he was crying, I couldn't even do anything about it. Or if he stopped, if it, he stopped breathing and all the alarms went off, I couldn't do a damn thing about it, you know? So I yeah. was totally dependent on the staff who were absolutely amazing. And I think, yeah, I think I would just say like each day is going to get better. Only look, you know, as far as you can, which could just be by the hour Yeah, and just do what you can and know that that's enough. And to just continue to take care of yourself. Cause I know for me when I would go home and, you know, soak my pillow in tears of just kind of feeling sorry for myself that I wasn't with my baby or whatever, letting the thoughts get to me, it didn't do me. It was great to let myself feel, but at the same time, you know, I needed to be doing like self-love stuff because the days that I was really kind to myself, I was able to walk into that NICU and just rock it for that day for Kai, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, so. as you said, you know, he when he was in the womb, he could feel you and was, you know, feeling all the things. So when you show up to be there, it's like he can still feel all your emotions, all your, you know, vibrations, whatever you want to call it. So mm-hmm. you can show up being your best self, you know, that's only going to help him to continue to grow and you know, meet the milestones. Yeah, e- exactly.
1: And you know, we, um, we, I had so much to be thankful for because Kai was born one of the earliest and one of the smallest babies in the NICU that we were at. And so I saw dozens of babies come through that were a lot bigger than Kai and even born a lot later in term and who were suffering even more. And so it's like, not that you, you can't, comparing is never good, but I could always look to the pod next door and be like, you know what, God, thank you that Kai has only had one Brady today, which is when they stopped breathing. Or, you know, there was always something for me to be so thankful for by seeing other situations or the baby, diagonal from us, you know, his parents lived over an hour away and they had other children at home and they couldn't be there physically. They, she had, the mom had to go back to work. And so that baby was left alone a lot, you know, which broke my heart. But so there's always, there's always something that you can pull to be thankful for. But one other example of how Kristen, that you just pointed out again about how they just feel your emotions. So I met, unfortunately, I met three moms while there who all had twins and they all lost one of their twins. Absolutely heartbreaking. And I remember just thinking, I I was just like, God, why? I almost felt guilty in a sense because it was like, why, why do I get to have my baby on me right now? And they lost. It was just a really deep emotion. But one of those moms, uh, I think she just needed to talk and we didn't know each other all that well, but she came one day I was kangarooing Kai, which is skin to skin. And he was still really little. And so I was in the recliner chair that was in our little pod, which just had a curtain to close it. And the sweet mom came and just sat and was hanging out with me. And one of her she had two boy twins and one of them had passed and, she just needed to talk about it. And so she went into quite a lot of detail about those last moments with her son. And it was like, I'm like tearing up right now. Like, absolutely. Uh, I um, even. Yeah. It was tragic, you know? And, um, as she was talking to me, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I was just holding Kai and anyway, she got to the part in the story where she said, and then he took his last breath. And right in that moment, no joke, Kai's alarms went crazy, went off. He stopped breathing and he had a Brady. And so oh. the all the nurses came over, you know, they run to go. They basically just kind of shake the baby to get him to remember to breathe um, yeah. and turned off his alarms. But that was another example of like, because I was doing everything possible to like hold in my tears and which I didn't, but um. Uh, yeah you know, just be strong for her and just be there to listen to her. And, uh, anyway, that was just ironic. It could have been, who knows, a coincidence, but I think that once again, he just felt me, you know, being skinny again. So totally. So, yeah. So I guess y'all can keep asking me questions, but I was just going to tell the listeners too, Yeah, if, if you know anybody in your life that has either gone through this or, is going through it now. Uh, I think that it really helps. I think I wish when I was going through it, that I would have had more of an opportunity to speak to somebody that had gone through it or to listen to a podcast, you know, um, there really wasn't a huge amount of resources back then. And I know that that's changed some today, but please do share this with them. If, you know, if you think that that would be helpful. And at the same time, if you are going through this, I don't want, I want this to be, uh, words of hope and encouragement and not fear or being yeah. scared. Naturally, those emotions are already going to be there, but, um, I hope that this Kai's story, and just so you know, in case you're wondering Kai today, he, it, like Megan said, he's nine years old. He is absolutely completely healthy. You would never in a million years know by looking at him that, he had any type of entrance to the, to the world in this way. Um, developmentally, he was completely caught up by two years old. He, he walked a little late, but that was not due to being a preemie. That was more due to his spinal surgery that he had to have when he was one. And so he was in a lot of physical therapy for that, but cognitively, and he didn't have any sight issues, any hearing issues, any brain issues. And that truly is a miracle for how early and how little he was. So yeah. if anything, I hope that Kai's story offers you hope and excitement for what's ahead for you. And yes, yes. and I am more than willing, you are, please, 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 if you need some type of support or just a chat or whatever, I am more than willing to talk to anybody and everybody. In fact, many friends of friends who have gone through this get sent my way and I'm always happy to talk to anybody. I, I love, love that. It.
2: Yes. Yay. That was good. <laughs> Just
0: going to say I guess going along with that, what are the best ways to support parents with preemies?
1: So, what I found was most helpful were the words of encouragement with no expectations in return. So the texts that were like, "Hey, you know, need to respond. I'm praying for you today. Um, I care about you just knowing that people cared, uh, even though they might not be yeah. able to fully understand. And then I think on top of that, just, um, the practical stuff. So, uh, set up a meal, a meal plan just because, uh, so a lot of things when like, especially in our situation where it was unexpected, you know, we didn't even have a nursery set up. You know, we didn't even have a baby. I think we did have a baby uh, shower scheduled, but I hadn't even gone to pick out anything like that. Um, Yeah. And we did end up getting to have one while he was in the NICU and that was so cool. And I was appreciative of that. But I think um, just trying to not normalize their situation, but still don't be afraid to uh, I think the meals would be a huge thing. And also for me, maybe this is just me, but, you know, mom pretty much moved in for a little bit with Chris and just helped out with the laundry and helped out with the do- our dog and just taking care of all the, you know, collecting the mail and bringing me the bills or whatever when I was on be- yeah. bed rest. I think just being there to help out with all the practical stuff and just do it without even asking, leave the meals on the front porch. Like it's going to be appreciated. Um, yeah, totally.
2: Well, especially, yeah. Cause my friend, she was had to work and so she, you know, going uh-huh. to the hospital working and then, so yeah, meals for her were and huge. All,
1: yeah, absolutely. And even in those early days too. So it's different at all hospitals of how, and I can't imagine what it's like right now with COVID, but back when we were there, they only allowed a certain amount that could ever go into the NICU. And so, and you had to choose those from day one. But if you're in a situation where maybe you have a family member and like Megan, you were close by. And so we added you to that list and yeah. I was on it too. Yes. And yeah, both of you were. And so the times that You guys, and I know mom was too, and in those early days, so I could only, he had touch times every three hours, so I could only see him or touch him every three hours. In those beginning days, we were, I wasn't taking care of, we weren't, Chris and I were not taking care of ourselves, and we did not want to miss a touch time, so including all through the night. And it was a really ridiculous <laughs> request. And mom was so sweet to follow through on some, you know, in those beginning days. And we finally kind of came to our senses and we were like, okay, that's ridiculous, mom. You don't have to go up there to touch them. But I just felt so guilty when I, if I had to miss a touch time. So I guess what another idea that I'm saying is if you are on that list and you are able to go give that physical touch to the baby, like it does really make a difference for the baby and their um, development and stuff. And so if the mom, obviously if the mom and dad are okay with this, that was a huge relief to me just knowing that if I couldn't be there, that somebody was to hold them and touch on them. Yes. So that was huge too.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if they're letting as many now, but I know you also volunteered. You have to go through a lot of training to volunteer, but there are volunteers that just come to hold babies in the past. I don't
1: Yeah. So if the parents agree to it, if there's, they're in a situation, Kristen, like your friend who had to go back to work and if they want to approve it, obviously they have to approve it. But yes, when I was volunteering, that was one of my absolute favorite things to do was to go just hold on the babies that whose parents weren't unfortunately able to be there and to just hold them and rock them and be there for them during their touch time. That was Just the coolest thing. One of the coolest things I think I've ever done. So yes, that's always an option too. Even if you don't know somebody, there's always volunteer opportunities in so many different capacities. There's lots of groups out there who like put put together little care packages for NICU families and have them delivered. Another cool thing, there's a group out of Fort Worth, Texas that I donated my wedding dress to. So they this is quite sad, but it's very, it's very helpful. And having known friends that had to go through this, that if you, you can donate your wedding dress and they have seamstresses that sew little burial outfits for the babies. And so they donate those to parents who unfortunately have lost their loved ones and, um, have a service for them. So that way they don't have to think about that. And so they donate really like gorgeous, gorgeous outfits. And they'll even, if you Choose the box too. They'll even like send you pictures of whatever they made from your dress. So if you have a wedding dress just sitting in your closet that you don't think you'll ever put to use, that's another really great one. And I'm blanking on the names of a couple organizations that I know, but we could include those in the show notes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, Adam, with your four tips, is do you think that is what got you through? Because I think I imagine myself. You know, even when I was in the NICU, I think because. It was, I felt a lot of emotions and I'm sure you did too, Kristen, it being your sister and your nephew. But I think being a mom, it's on another level, like the fear I think could take over, like just being scared of the what ifs and what could happen. How did you get through the fear? You always seemed to be so positive and not fearful during that time. From what I remember, was it you really followed what you just told us or how do you think you did that? <laughs>
1: I mean, I truly do. I'm not, as y'all know, I'm naturally a positive person. I just couldn't go there, you know? So I only had so much energy in me and I was very cognitive of choosing to use that energy for good. So when I showed up every morning in that NICU, I had a big smile on my face. The nurses even were like, you're the only person that walks in here smiling, (laughs) you know? But I just... I think because I felt in those early days how affected Kai was with my emotions. Yeah. It's like he was my strength and Aww. he gave me so much strength. I would walk in there and be like, we are going – like today, we are going to be rock stars, both of us together, more so him than me because he, you know, was incredible. But he – I really get got my strength, of course, from God, but also Kai, just seeing – a And this might sound graphic, but seeing a fetus literally turn into a newborn baby outside of the womb was like a miracle. I mean, there's yeah, no, no other word it. Really for it really was. Yeah. He
0: is our miracle baby.
2: And yeah, really I remember it's funny. Cause I just remember not being scared. Like, I don't know if it's cause I was just young and naive, but I was like, he's going to be fine. Like I <laughs> nowhere yeah. in my mind that I think other than that, he was just going to be a totally healthy, normal baby. Always like I, I never, so. yeah, Kristen, it's, it's good that you
1: said that. Cause I really took on that attitude too. Like I never kind of like when my water broke, I'm like, that's not, what? That's not amniotic fluid. No way. You know, like I was in denial and some people can call it denial or, you know, not being a realist or whatever, but I don't know. It served me well in my life. And so that's just what works, but I will say, so I did not, I stayed off the Google, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I did not let myself, the only time I went and Googled is after he, we were home from the NICU and he got diagnosed with having a tethered spinal cord. I had no idea what that was. I did let myself do a little Googling, but stopped pretty quick. Yeah. And honestly, I did not let myself get on the internet. I didn't. And the nurses and doctors are going to tell you what you need to know and when you need it. And I just let them guide me. And yeah, I mean, there is, like Megan. back to your question, there is so much that you can fear. And, you know, I would be lying if I denied that some nights I would be laying in bed, just praying that I didn't get a call that night. You know, because a call is always is not usually a good sign, and so you do naturally have that fear. But it was just a huge mindset game, you know, of staying, staying focused on what you want. And what I wanted was a healthy, big baby. You know, being seven pounds seven ounces by the time he was discharged was really crazy. You know, so Mm -hmm. I just kept my focus. You know, back to what we always say: where focus goes, energy flows, and That is what I focused on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember when we happened to all be in the room when the doctors decided that they were going to have to take Kai out.
1: That's right. And I
2: just remember being in shock, Mm -hmm. but I also was like in awe how calm everyone was. Like I was like, wait should we be freaking out right now? No one, everyone's so calm. Like, but I knew that's what was needed. And like, I like relate that back in my life sometimes where I'm like, okay, if we can stay calm in that moment, like I can be calm right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just a crazy feeling and, and I'm glad we got to like be there with you during such a
1: crazy time. Yeah. Me too. I'm always forever grateful for family and friends that were there.
0: Well and I mean you inspire all of us. It I feel like it changed our family in a lot of ways in good ways. And I know even when I was in labor with Joe and we ended up having to do an emergency C-section after a very long time in labor and pushing, honestly I thought about you and that day with Kai and it gave me like strength because I was like okay, Lauren got through this. like I can get through this. Like I can do it. Like I remember laying there, like knowing they were cutting me open and thinking about you and Kai, like, okay, I can do it. Like yeah, we got this. And I had Dr. Colt there like you did.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, that this could be for women who are pregnant right now. I think that can be like, okay, you know, if Lauren can do it, I can do it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there also one thing that I, that you just Sparked a reminder in me is I did have a lot of friends after this, or even strangers who, you know, maybe they were nine months pregnant and they're like, oh my gosh, I just want this baby out of me, or whatever. And a lot of times I had friends that would be like, oh gosh, that was so insensitive. I'm so sorry, you know, like, but let me just tell you, I always just took on the attitude of, you know, there's no, just like with anything else. I mean, crap, even what we're going through now with COVID, it's like, We're not, you know, we're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. And for me, I didn't allow myself. There was one time I remember when Kai was in the NICU where I got this sense. uh, Chris wanted to go out to lunch. It was I hadn't left the house or the hospital, and he was like, "Come on, let's just go." grab lunch, you know, and I just felt so guilty, but I do remember seeing a family and she had, they had a newborn baby and it was this weird feeling in me where it was like, I'm, I'm supposed to have that with me right now, you know, and I felt like a sense of anger and, but I didn't like that feeling. And so I just chose from that moment. I was like, I'm not doing that again. You know, if I see a full-term pregnant mom, be happy for her. Like you can't, you can't do that to yourself or to other people. Yeah. So I guess my point of bringing this up is that also, if you do have a friend that went through, you know, maybe not even this early or whatever, but maybe, maybe you know somebody whose friend whose baby did have to be in the NICU for a little bit, or maybe you know they had a baby at thirty-five weeks or whatever it is. Don't let that stop you from your natural and normal emotions of being a pregnant mom. It's totally understandable that I've never been nine months pregnant, but I can only imagine how bad I would want the baby out of me too, you know? So yeah. I guess I'm just saying, give yourself permission to still do you and don't have any type of guilt surrounding that.
2: Yeah. I think it's a good reminder that there's no suffrage scale, like there's no competition of you know, oh, I had it way worse. You know, there's everybody has their own journey, their own.
1: Yeah. And I never wanted to take that away from, especially my close friends and family. It's like, gosh, you know, even though I would love to know what it's like to be nine months pregnant, like don't ever let that stop you from telling me your true feelings and emotions.
2: Right.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Yeah. And I just love your four tips. I mean, I wrote them down as you were talking because I think they are honestly could be our challenge for the week, the month, the year. It's number one, give thanks. Number two, look at one positive in each situation. Number three, turn why questions into what questions. Number four, however deeply painful an experience is, there is the same deep amount of blessings that will appear and you have to choose to believe that that is true. And I'm like, man, Lauren, you preach it, girl. <laughs>
1: <Great>. Preach. <laughs> Um, Yeah. Thank you for summing those up. Uh, It wasn't really until I went back and read this uh, after the fact that I was like, actually, this is kind of relevant for any situation and especially right now with COVID. One thing before we go is this past weekend was International Rainbow Baby Awareness. And for those that don't know what a rainbow baby is, it's a term for a child born to a family who have previously lost a child due to miscarriage, stillbirth, or death during infancy. And so I haven't yet gotten to have my rainbow baby, but maybe one day, who knows what God has in store, but we just wanted to acknowledge you, uh, acknowledge any family or friends that you might have. And we celebrate those rainbow babies with you. And we also empathize and sympathize with you through the pain that it took to get there. And those of you that might be out there like me, that is still hoping for that rainbow baby. We just pray for you and we see you and we love you.
0: I love it. And one last thing I forgot to say earlier, I don't know if you have a preemie in your life or you don't, but there is something special about a preemie. Like I feel like Kai is connected to the spiritual world and he's like an angel. <laughs> like he, he just had, I remember when he was little, he used to say things that I was always like, oh my gosh, is he talking to an angel right now?
1: I know. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah. We always said he had such, has such an old soul. And in so many yeah. ways, he certainly would say things that made you go huh think yeah. you go huh <laughs> so oh they are super cool kiddos all kiddos are cool all kiddos are miracles truly for real um, yeah. but thank you guys for listening to my personal story and thank you guys for maybe opening your Maybe you didn't know anything about this. So thank you for listening and learning with us. And like I said, if you have any questions, if you have anybody in your life that could benefit from this, please do share with them and yes. please, yeah, just let us know how we can help in any way. Yes. Thank
0: you guys so much. That was fun to reminisce on and sad. I cried and smiled a lot. Oh yeah. Thank y'all for listening. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at girl. I slept in my makeup. And if you could leave us a rating and review, that will help other people find us.
1: Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. We, we hope you all have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.